What if you were better equipped to beat your best in any situation life throws at you? What if you were able to realize game-changing breakthroughs and achieve your goals fearlessly and without restriction? My mission is to help you level up your mindset to achieve peak performance so you can accomplish the most audacious goals you have in life and in business while embracing the highs and lows of every journey. To do that, I'm going to explore topics that challenge how you think and help explain why you show up in the world the way you do. By accepting the challenge, you'll think better, you'll feel better, you'll perform better every day. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Slover, mindset and peak performance coach, business consultant, thought leader, author, and award-winning educator. And it's a good day to do great things. This is the Quest for Life podcast. I'm really excited about today's show as I had a chance to sit down with Sharon Seivert. Sharon is the founder and CEO of Core Coaching and Consulting, an organization that helps organizations and teams navigate difficult times, helps leaders transform themselves and their organizations, and that help individuals make successful career and life transitions. Prior to launching Core Coaching and Consulting, Sharon served as the CEO of a group health plan that established an industry record for earliest ever break-even. She's the author of The Balancing Act, Mastering the Five Elements of Success in Life, Work, and Relationships, which serves as the foundation for the Core Coaching and Consulting six-point system. She's also the author of Six Steps to Leading Your Life and Work from the Inside Out. One of Sharon's superpowers in life is to help people balance the numerous obligations they have personally and professionally. As both a U.S. and EU citizen, she loves few things more than spending time with her international family, friends, colleagues, and clients. It was such a pleasure to sit down with Sharon and learn more from her, and I know you'll get a lot from the conversation as well. Let's get started. Sharon, welcome to the Quest for Life podcast. How are hey. you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking with you again today. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time. I'm really excited about this conversation. So maybe you can start by sharing with the listeners a little bit about your background, who you are, and how you've been able to achieve the success you've had in your life. Okay, that's a, those are a couple of questions. I'll take them in order, and you can bring me back if I miss anything here. But uh, I'm, I'm Sharon Seivert. I live on the North shore of Boston, right on the ocean. Very, very, very happy, uh, to be in here. And I was actually born in Boston, um, to a family of Irish, uh, you know, immigrants. I am, uh, not only a U.S. citizen, but also an Irish citizen. I love to be an international woman of mystery. So that's part of <laughs> That's, I usually flip my hair I, when I when I say that. Um, That's great. And uh, uh, so I grew up here. Uh, I was born here, but grew up in the Midwest, where my dad's family is from. So I would say, from a uh, you know uh, a personal definition of who I am, I'm obviously you know daughter, sister, um, you know cousin to lots of cousins. Uh, I, I as I like to think of myself as. Uh, you know, being someone who has friends that I, I am devoted to and family that I am devoted to. So that's a personal definition of me. And as a, a work definition, I'm an advisor to senior leaders and business owners to help them break through to the next level. 
Gotcha. And you've authored a couple of books, or not, actually a number of books. A number to, of books. Yeah, to help people become more effective in their lives. What was the driving force behind the desire to write books? And I asked that because I've I've written a, and published a book, and it's it, it can be a little overwhelming, you know, <laughs> you, to, from the starting point on through to publication. What was the driving force behind? you authoring those? So I would say trying to figure things out for myself. I, I don't know about you in terms of your motivation for uh, writing, but but I know a lot of writers um, are trying to work through big issues. And for me, big life, work, you know, world issues about what what's true here and how can we make things better. So I began this process because I was trying to, you know, make my own life better and understand uh, things. And as I delved into this conversation, I came across these concepts of the center and the four directions and the compass. And everything I've written has to do with that, about balancing your life and your work and your relationships from the inside out. Like with the compass, you're holding the compass and then you, uh, you know, move forward in your life with that in your hand. Gotcha. One of the things that I immediately thought of when you talked about writing in order to kind of figure this thing we call life out, <laughs> I not only dis <laughs> discover that in, in writing my book, I, I, I've discovered it in doing this podcast. And I, I remember oh. seeing... This is probably a year ago. I, I remember seeing an Instagram post of someone that said it was a, it was a woman that said, why is it that when women need therapy, they see a psychiatrist, but when men need therapy, they start a podcast. Zing, <laughs> <laughs> sizzle, sizzle, huh? That, yeah. And, and, and it's so true. I mean, that one of the things that I've found in in this pursuit is it is therapy in, mm. in a sense because it allows you to work through your own stuff. It allows you to explore your different curiosities and, and all of it. Then one of your books, the balancing act mastering the five elements of success in life, work and relationships. This serves as the foundation of your business core coaching yes. and consulting. Can you describe what those elements are and, and how they allow people to find balance in life, work, and relationships? Yes. And um, this, is, this is a very pragmatic approach. And by pragmatism, I mean that, do you realize that America almost had its own psychology? You're talking about joking about women going to therapists and men having podcasts, but what you're doing in your podcast is something very pragmatic. It's like a pragmatic psychology. This conversation that we're having is we're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work and why. Yeah. We're asking those questions constantly. So we're taking it to ground. And that's what I do with all my work, all my clients and, and the writing is, is this working? Is this not working? And why is it either working or not? So we can continue to evolve. So that's, that's the, the quote therapy reference piece. But the, when I talk about balance, I'm not talking about either or. I'm not talking about this versus that. And it's a really important thing to realize about this work is we're talking about getting balance from your inside and then moving it out into your world and aligning all the parts of your world. So we start with the core, which is the center of the wheel, like of the compass. 
We go to the air element, which is controlling your mind, your thoughts, your mindset. We move then into action from your core and your vision. And then we align the people in your life and your own emotions. So you continue to guide yourself as you go forward. And then we form new habits that are, and habit formation is really hard. But if you have those other powers behind you, it works. And then when all of these parts of you, your life, your relationships are aligned, it's easy. It becomes ease. It's that context, that environment that you live in, you're creating this whole new life or work for yourself. So that's the balance and the alignment I'm talking about. I think we get into a lot of trouble when we go, you know, either or work, life, men, women, you know, politics on either side. We just get into so much yeah. trouble and tension that we don't need. It almost seems like what you're describing is a both and idea versus an either or. Is that a fair assessment? I think it's a both and, and, and thing. When you're looking at these six powers that I described in a compass image, you, you're, you're aligning every aspect of who you are as a human being. The concept I work with is so ancient that we think it came from the human's first images of themselves, you know, those little cave drawings. So they had this core, this trunk, and their four limbs. That's the, that's the center and the compass directions. So it's really an easy thing for people to understand, and it takes the either or part of it out of it, which we could use a lot more of nowadays. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. No <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, <laughs> One, one of the things that occurs to me when dealing with people and, and their growth and development, particularly in business, is that when you move from, say, a, a quote, technician, so like a sales representative mm -hmm. or someone that's on the front line, a lot of customer-facing activities, and then they get promoted, it's the first realization that they have that it's not the same skill set. Mm. in order to be able to be successful. And as you continue taking on more responsibility, it requires an evolution of skill set. With, with that idea, where do you spend the majority of, of your time? And I get it's, in, it's on a case by case, but where do you find yourself spending more time in helping people with the recognition that, hey, look, you're probably biased to your success to this point, but that that bias won't get you to the next level. So does it start with mindset? Does it start with, you know, is it an emotional state of being? What's your what's your thoughts on that? Right. So this this is very, you know, this is a very poignant question for people because they they they're moving in their lives and then they hit this wall of some kind or they're 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 given new duties and they're going, what the heck am I supposed to do now? And I was so good over here and now you put me over there. So what we start with is my goal is to help people become whole 
in the with these powers that we talk about. So what we know is that every person has probably done something really, really, really well. It's gotten to them to this high achieving point. But it's almost like a car that some tires are overinflated and some are underinflated. So part of what we do is make sure they understand that they have all of these powers available to them. And then we look at where they're strong and where they'd like to go. And then we look at what is not necessarily developed and we quote, balance it that way, just so that every every tire is rolling, I guess, is the way we look at it. And I almost always start from the core to answer the second part of your question. And that means that um, we take care of self-doubt, which is raging in many times when people come to us and they have resistance to change and they're kind of exhausted or burned out from what the things that they're facing. So we have to get them to a, um, a calm place. And I feel that my role is almost like, you know, like when the Cheshire cat appeared to Alice and she was lost. Okay. Or like, um, you know, some magician appears to the hero who is, has been crawling along, battered, bruised, come through all the wars and, comes to a crossroads and doesn't know where to go. It's like, what am I supposed to do now? Like the person you talked about. Yeah. And in all of these ancient tales, a magician appears and holds the space for them while they heal. So my facilitation is to help them access their wisdom, their knowledge, their sense of who they are in the world and make it happen for them. So I hold the space and then then they know what to do and then they don't need me anymore. So they go on their way. They've chosen the road and they're off. And that's the kind of role I like to think about is that holding the space as a healer does while the person figures out what to do next. And, mm-hmm. and they will. They will. It's a really interesting idea. where we're basically providing a measure of strength in when they're dealing with whatever, whatever they're dealing with in a state of vulnerability. One of the things, one of the things that you mentioned that I've, I, I, I really am interested in getting your take on this idea of resisting change. Yes. Cause that that's fundamentally fear-based. Yes. And, it's like, well, what are we afraid of when we, when, when we're experiences? Cause the resistance is how we're showing up. I'm more interested in why we're showing up that way. Is it a situation where it's like, okay, so I'm resisting change because I might be exposed for the lack of skill set, And if I'm exposed for that, what does that mean? Do I lose my job? And what does that mean? Do I lose my tribe? And then am I isolated out in the wilderness? And, and, then, and could, then I die. And then you die, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, yeah, you've, you've nailed it. What, what tends to happen is that we, um, you know, we, we have resistance because a part of our brain is trying to keep us alive exactly what you talked about, that whole chain of how things are going to slide downhill if I do this thing. So we we start to make little steps towards evolution and we're kind of excited about it and we start to move out in the world and then wham, um, this other part of our brain comes in as a backlash saying, 
what do you think you're doing? I have kept you alive this whole time, you ungrateful SOB. And now, you know, now I'm going to slap you around. So this other part of us comes in and says, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. So it's so primitive and it is tied to our sense of survival. So this is a normal part of people moving out, changing, trying to go to the next level. It's just you expect it. It's going to happen. And when it does, you work through it. So I have actually a lot of tools to help with that kind of deep stress, that hidden stress, the thing that's going to sabotage you again and again and again. And it's just trying to keep you alive. So we need to be grateful for that signal and say, thank you very much. But Right now I'm moving on. <laughs> so there are lots of tools that we have to help people through a real backlash. Yeah. And it's really a, it's really a, almost a counterintuitive. I don't know if that's the right word. It's almost a counterintuitive space to be in because for the, for the early 50, you know, something employee that it struggles with technology, resisting yeah. change actually leads to the result they claim they don't want faster yes. than actually trying you know, and to you know, adopt and embrace the change. I mean, it, right. it's a, really a bitter irony, don't you think? It is very, very, it's, it's actually tragic because we, we have the tools. We, we, we know, you know, this is an opportunity for us, but there's a part of our brain that says, don't go there, don't go there. We've done just fine without it. So it's this like I said, primitive part of us that is just trying to do its job. Um, there was a great, there's some great research done on change and I, and it relates to what you're talking about. Um, a man by the name of Alan Deutschman did a book, uh, wrote a book called Change or Die. Do you know that one? He, he, it's really know. a nice piece of work. It's probably 10 years old or something now, but he, um, uh, he studied all kinds of groups and he found, for example, if you go into the doctors and they say, you know, you just had your bypass surgery and you have to change your diet in this way, or you have to do your exercise, you have to do this other thing. So, you know, they put the fear of God into you and for about three weeks, maybe you're doing what they said and then you go back to old habits. So what he found in this terrifying statistic is that only one in nine people will actually change even under these circumstances, even if they told, if you don't change, you're going to die. So imagine just kind of regular change, like ah, I should eat less of this or I should do more of that. Um, the resistance to it is so high. And what he found is that fear doesn't work, facts don't work, and force doesn't work. But if you do three R's, which he said, you need to reframe the problem, you need to relate to different people or relate differently to them, and you need to repeat the behavior. So when I saw that research, and then, then, your, then your numbers go up to like 90% success or something. I mean, that's how you do this process. So when I work with people, we, we first we reset, we stop, we stop them because they are in a panic. We just have to stop them <laughs> from doing what they're doing. They're very, very busy, and they, they, and they keep pushing in what's going to be a bad direction. Then we, then we do uh, Deutschman's thing of, um, of, of reframe the problem. So that's the mental set you were talking, the mindset you were talking about. Then we have them reprioritize because they have to maybe do one thing at a time and not have 50 priorities, but just one. We're going to get this thing done. Then they relate, like Deutschman said, to different people uh, or differently to people. 
And then we have them repeat the behavior, like Deutschman said. And then what happens is a reformation. They really, you really can change your life and you can help your, you know, your clients change their lives with that formula. It's so powerful. That's so good. That's so good. I only one in nine. One of the things that I've been wrestling with. Is that terrifying? It is. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I've, I've really been wrestling with for quite frankly, Sharon, most of my life, but (laughs) especially in the recent past is why is it that people wait until crisis before they are willing to, you know, even look at making changes. We're not even talking about embracing the change. We're just talking about looking at it. And then we, we, you look at the statistic that you mentioned, only one in nine, even when they're terrified amid, amid the crisis, on, yeah. still only one in nine actually move forward with the change. Well, how, how does this happen? What? I mean, why, why are, it's like, why aren't we taught at an early age, reset, reframe, reprioritize, relate, repeat, and reform? Well, the ancients gave us that formula. It's there for us. I think part of it is that we are not necessarily supported in making change in uh, in you know larger the larger social context. Hmm. Um, you know, I am all about helping people evolve, helping high achieving people evolve to the next step. I mean, that is my juice. Okay, but but. Um, a lot of people want to do that and don't have the support systems to do that. So I think part of it is, you know, those of us who are in advising and coaching and uh, consulting capacities, if we can see our role as being that missing ingredient, that cat, one of my people calls uh, what we do a catalytic conversation. So Mm -hmm. the sense of being a catalyst for other people who need that missing ingredient to do what they want to do and what they need to do. How can we help them break through to that? You know, they have all of these forces that are, that, that hold them back or that pull, you know, it's like gravity. How can we get past that pull of gravity of the old habits of the old ways of doing things so that people can launch? So I think our part of our pattern is how do we give them that fuel? How do we support them to get out of that, that pull down? so they can leap up. And, and, and I think we are at an extraordinary point in history now where we may be able to help each other more with this, where there's maybe more resources and more tools that have come into existence in the past number of years. And what I really feel is that the, the pre-COVID times was sort of like the Middle Ages. And then we had the COVID. And you know, this is just like what happened in the Renaissance. Middle Ages, bubonic plague, and then Renaissance. And I yeah. hope that's part of what we're moving into now, that, we, that we've been, you know, slapped around, sobered up, having, having to come, you know, to understandings that, that we need to get our act together, help each other, support the evolution of humanity, support, you know, kindness, goodwill, et cetera. Uh, we can't just laze along in some ways like we've done. Does that make sense to you at all I'm talking about? It it does. And I hope you're right. (laughs) I genuinely hope you're right. And you, you, you talk about the, all of the different tools. And of course, technology is a, is, 
is massive. We wouldn't be having this conversation Why? otherwise. You you yeah. live in Boston. I live in the desert. <laughs> we have this. I, I'm I'm interested in your perspective with regard to establishing new habits because you mentioned mm. earlier how extraordinarily difficult it is, and we all we all know that. And I I see or I've experienced two schools of thought. And I don't know if they're the only two, but two schools of thought. The first is that we have to have our our thoughts lined up nice and neat before we take action. The other is the opposite, where you have people that say, hey, you know what? I don't have to have all of my thoughts lined up. I don't have to have all my proverbial ducks in a row. I'm going to take action. And the worst case scenario is I'm going to learn something from it. In terms of how you teach new or different habit formation, which one of those approaches do you use or do you use something else? Something sort of in the middle of that. I'm definitely not sufficiently organized to do the first. I'm not. (laughs) I'd like to be, but I'm not. And um, uh, so, but I'm not like free form, you know, gymnast kind of thing. I, I, the formula that I follow with a balancing act gives us a basic structure, kind of a loose structure in which we know there's steps we're going to take. Um, they may not be exactly in that order, but it'd be nice if they were. So we're going to follow along. Things are going to come up and we are going to experiment in real life. So it's a little bit more leaning mm. a little bit more towards the second. One. We're going to see if this works, what I'm suggesting, or if it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, we go back to the drawing board. No harm no foul. So testing things in real life gives us so much information and it requires bravery on people's parts, but they, they develop muscle. They develop habit forming muscle if they try new things out. Yeah. So I, I had someone recently (laughs) and we were, I'm sorry, we were making his goals for the next phase of our working together. And I just love this person, but there've been some, and he's doing great, 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 great stuff, achieving all kinds of things at work, but there's some tension at home. So we started talking about how do you make your spouse happy? And, and so he's on an experiment now of to doing these things that he hopes will make his spouse happier and the family more peaceful, that sort of thing. And it was not, you know, it's not not my normal kind of a purview, but we really had to deal with that if he was going to be happy in his life and work. So he was trying things out. I'll learn next week and the week after what worked and what doesn't work. We're going to do it until his spouse is happy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, fingers crossed. (laughs) So within that process, how do you go about helping people navigate the the failure along the way mm. and have them have them be you know willing to continue experimenting in real life yeah i i try to set that up ahead of time i say we're going to you know we've agreed that we're going to try this it might work it might not work we come back next week see how far we went and and it's just i try to normalize failure let's put it that way i want i want us to have uh, what is it peter drucker used to talk about fast failures i want us to have very fast failures so that we can chalk that off go on to the next thing go on to the next thing um so that's part of what i try to do of course we're going to fail 
um, um, Arthur Rubenstein, uh, a, a, a great pianist with a massive hands and a very free style, um, once said that he left as many notes under the piano as he played. Hmm. It was the thing about all the mistakes he made. But of course, as you know, we wouldn't know his name if he wasn't a magnificent pianist. I try not to be that cavalier, but, <laughs> but we're going to have things that work and things that don't work. And that's how we learn. You know that, you know, that's, that's your no, life, no right? That's my it. life. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're better at this than I am. <laughs> no doubt about it. It, it. We, we, my wife and I talked to our girls, we have two teenage daughters about th that idea that we, yes, we do learn in success, but we learn way more, you know, in our failures. And I like what you had said, um, or, or, or this idea, I should say that, you know, we, we live in like forward momentum, but we learn in reverse, something like that. Yeah. We learn in real time. If we learn in real time and we're paying attention, we're staying conscious, we're, we're honoring the moment. We're honoring the people we're in, in the moment, good things are going to happen. Even if they don't look like we thought they might look like good things are going to happen uh, in the long haul. And that's, that's the goal, right? Is that we make this arc of evolution. Yeah. I've referenced your business, Core Coaching and Consulting, uh, a couple of times. But for the listeners, Core is actually an acronym. Can you expound on what each letter stands for and how you bring each to life with the people that you work with? Oh, sure. That's a nice question. Um, so core is, of course, the center of the wheel, the center of the compass is where we start. And what we're trying to do is see is for change, change from the inside out. Uh, it's for calm, confidence and clarity. We need to start people at this beginning point where they become confident and clear about where they want to go with their change. And if we do that, the odds of our having really successful change is multiplied many times. Um, and it get, has integrity. Everything we do comes from that center, goes back to it, comes from that, goes back to that. Um, the O, I think of as being organic, that this is a holistic system. It's natural. Um, the ancients gave us this information, the, 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 the powers that are in the superpower balanced leadership. That's all over the world. No matter where you go in the world, you will see this template of the center in the four directions. So it's organic and it's easy to understand. Um, and people can put it to work for them really fast. So the R is some of what we were talking about before is how do we reduce resistance? How do we reduce the noise that's inside us and outside us and, and, and reduce the conflict in our lives and reduce that backlash or self-sabotage we were talking about? So how do we bring down that noise and all those hidden saboteurs? And then the E is, is for ease. This is, um, you know, everything is aligned and congruent. And so it moves us into a state of ease from unease and imbalance or disease, actually. So we have flow. We have synergy. We, we have more energy. So, so that's it. I love that. Thank you. I'm taking notes. I see you're <laughs> taking notes. It's, that's yep. really great. But you see how that's all of a piece and it all comes out of the core. It's like the core is the seed and everything else springs from that. And if that's the case, you just can't go too far wrong. Yeah. 
one of the things that popped into my head when you were talking about change, because you referenced calm, confident, and clarity. Yeah. That, what's been your experience in helping people with goal setting? Because it, it occurs to me that getting really, really clear and specific mm -hmm. on goal setting is, is really, the, you know, the, the, it's our North star with when it comes to goal setting. Do you agree with that point? Right. We want the goals to come organically out of your core. <laughs> and a lot of time people have goals that are, um, that just aren't integrated with who they are and where they want to go. I mean, it's really amazing. I have this goal and I'm supposed to make X amount of money in this amount of time. And that's because somebody told me that would be a good idea, but it's not my idea. It's not your right. idea. So we have to bring people back to the drawing board and say, okay, so this is your goal. Um, the, uh, you know, it's sometimes like people have, they're climbing the ladder of success, but it's against the wrong wall. Joseph Campbell, that's a famous quote from him. They've climbed the ladder of success, but it's against the wrong wall. So we need to examine the goals that in light of the earlier elements, which is the core, the vision and the mission, then the goals come out in the mission and it's more clear that it's taking me somewhere. And these are really the right goals to take me somewhere. And we also don't want to have too many goals because that's it's making people crazy. <laughs> they have all these goals. They have all these priorities. And I learned something recently. Um, uh, and it was that the word priority I think was first coined or so in the English language in uh, the 1400s. And then in the 1900s, it became priorities. That's from a book called Essence. And I forget the author off the top of my head. But isn't that wild? So all of a sudden, things have been speeding up because we have so many priorities, plural. So I always try to back people up and we, we go ready, aim, fire on one frigging priority at a time, one goal at a time that is integrated and then we can build and build and build and build. This is fascinating that you brought that up. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not kidding. I read the exact same thing within the last 10 days. Ah! Independent, in, independent of, of this conversation or even the, the previous conversation we had, you know, going back several weeks that it, it, but it makes so much sense to get really, really clear and specific mm -hmm on on the one thing that i i want to go do and then you know we, we we button that up and then we go after the the next thing how yes. do you help people order that though in in terms of you know pacing and sequencing those right. quote priorities right For we i get them very quiet so that they they have this internal guidance their intuition can speak to that and um, some people do it through prayer some people do it through meditation uh, so I, sometimes i just in the sessions itself get them really quiet until the answer comes and then we try it we see if it works and we move on to the next thing so it's that kind of focus that comes from when you're internally quiet you're going to get way better answers. Yeah. And so as, as we near the end of this, I've got, I've got one more question for you sure. along those lines. We live in a world and everybody knows this of that's fraught with distraction. Mm -hmm. How do you help convince someone or persuade someone to take 
five minutes or 15 minutes or maybe even heck an hour a day to to find that quiet space so they can go inward rather than continually externalizing the world and not really making measurable progress. Yeah, isn't that people are in so much pain and that's why they go for the external distractions. So I often need, I deal with a lot of very fast moving people. So I, I often have to start in the sessions themselves to have people experience these moments of quiet, calm joy. And once they get a taste of that, they often want more. So I will often uh, have them, for example, do um, specific kinds of breathing while they're walking. They have to walk, right? Mm. So they don't, so I, I can't sit them down. I can't tie them down. So I'm going to have them breathe while they walk. And it's amazing how all of a sudden the temperature comes down, the noise comes down. So they get a little taste of that, then we move them on to more taste and that sort of thing. So I often, in the sessions themselves, need to do this. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. Almost, almost a walking meditation. Yes. Yeah. That's very, very, very simple. Um, and we have lots of techniques and one technique doesn't work. I give them another one and we give them another one until they experience this. Once they experience it, they want more of it because it releases this pain, this, this little Chernobyl, you know, nuclear reaction we're all living in. It just takes you out of it into this place of peace and uh, clarity and, um, a sense of your own destiny and what you're here to do and why it's important. So once they have that bit in their mouth, they can run. Got it. It's a perfect example of experimenting in real life. Yes. yes. That's great. Before we wrap, how can listeners learn more about you and the work that you're doing? Thank you for asking that. Um, we, uh, I would suggest that they can contact me on LinkedIn. My name is Sharon Seivert. It's, you know, S-E-I-V-E-R-T. And, uh, and, you know, say that they, you know, heard us, heard you and I talking. And I'll, I'll, uh, I, I'll know they're a legitimate person and, and, and bring them into our little tribe here. We have, I, they can go to core-learning-services.org, which is our nonprofit organization, and, uh, and get all kinds of freebies. We, we are very uh, determined um, to pay it forward, to bring things out in the world. And the Core Learning Services organization is, um, is, our, is our nonprofit arm that teaches youth and does public events, free things for people. And we just, we want this work out there because we know it's so effective. And then corecoachingconsulting.com is our uh, website. They can, you know, reach me through a form on that and learn more about what our organization does for leaders and businesses. That's great. So yeah, we, we really want that. people to have these tools. We, we, you know, we're on a mission. <laughs> we want, we want people, we want people to make their lives easier, happier, more aligned, more full. If they do that, they do that for their children. It's a good thing for the world. That's what we want for everyone. Yeah. You and I are on parallel paths, Sharon. I'm my, my whole oh, goal is, is to for my life is to be a better version of myself so I can show up better for the people that come into my world. Yes. And it's like, gosh, 
the ripple effect of that, if, yes. if we, we can all do a better job, is would just be so transformative. So in summary, Sharon Sivert on LinkedIn, the nonprofit arm, core-learning-services.org or corecoachingconsulting.com. Right. Sharon, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and wisdom. I have I have no doubt that between you, me, and anyone else who is in this space, we're we're going to make a dent in this thing. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really just a matter of time. So thank right. you so much. And you are very very welcome, and and I support you in your efforts and your listeners out there. It's worth the energy to make this happen because I feel. We're on our way. So let's join forces. Ed, I'm, I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you over the years. Yeah, me too. Thanks again, Sharon. Thank you. Be sure to follow or subscribe to the show and pass it on to a friend. You can download the show notes at thequestforlife.com. That's the quest number for life.com. You can also connect with me if you're interested in learning more about leveling up your mindset to achieve peak performance in all areas of your life. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining the conversation.